I want to ask you, if you will, open your Bibles to uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. I want to uh, talk to you tonight more about stewardship from a little different perspective than we did last week, although I want to review from last week a little bit. We are in a situation where we are obviously uh, needing to generate enough income to cover the expansion uh, program that we've entered in on. And we've been talking about this and talking about it. And I haven't taught on tithing or stewardship or giving uh, in any substantial way for a couple of years at least. And this is a subject that really needs to be addressed once a year, uh, especially for uh, new folks in our congregation, because we have a, a tremendous turnover of people living here in the South Bay. And uh, so new people come in, and they don't know exactly uh, what to do about these things. I'm going to just share with you tonight out of my own life and testimony, uh, just my own personal experience when I first became a Christian and started coming to this church. So we want to talk about these things, and uh, I want to... I want to talk to you about uh, where our money goes, not in terms of our church budget necessarily, but, but our money, your money, my money, where it goes, and where we spend it, where we allot it. It's important for us to be good stewards over that which God has entrusted to us. And we're going to look at uh, Matthew's gospel again in chapter 25, and we bounced off that a little bit last week. We're going to read the whole chapter tonight, or the whole section on the parable of the talents. And uh, there's some significant things that we want to draw out of that as we talked last week. I suggested to you last week that there are three things that God has called us to be. Does anybody remember what those three things are? What was the first one? Salt and light, right? From Matthew chapter 5. He said you should be, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And the point of that was that we are to be, as Christians, we're to be different we're to be different people, different from what we were before we became Christians, different from the world. We are to be a peculiar, different people, peculiar in a good sense, not in a, a strange, weird sense. That was the whole point of Israel. They were to be a different people, and that they were to evidence a faithfulness to the true living God, and as they did so, they would experience God's blessings, and all the nations then would want to know their God, presumably. That was the whole idea, but of course, Israel never succeeded in that call to be faithful and to be a unique and different people. And so now the church is called to fill that role. And so we are called to be a different people. That's the point of being salt and light. What was the second thing that God called us to be? Servants. And Jesus uses his own example. He says of himself, he says, the Son of Man did not uh, come to be served, but rather he came to what? He came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so uh, we are, as his disciples, those who, following after him, we're, we're being changed, we're being formed, reformed into his very likeness, then we too are called to be servants. And we serve with all the resources at our disposal. We serve our Heavenly Father, our King, and as well uh, the, the ministers he calls us to. And then the third thing that God called us to be was what? Stewards. He's called us to be stewards. And in the context of being stewards, I suggested that there were four 
guiding principles, if you will, uh, with respect to uh, our finances that are very, very important for us to embrace. If I'm going to be a good steward, what was the first thing that I need to recognize? God owns it all. Verse 14, uh, this owner goes, he's going to go on a long trip, and so he turns over his property, his property, to his servants and for them to manage uh, in, in his absence. So all that tells us is that God owns it all. It's very, very important for us to acknowledge that. What was the second principle? We're growing. That was evidence in the steward who was faithful, the first steward who was given the five talents, and he managed them such that he could uh, present his uh, master with ten talents upon his return. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, you took a little bit and you made much out of it. So uh, there's growth in that. And so we are growing. We are maturing. God means for us to grow. He means for us to mature in our life and in every arena of our life and also with our finances. What was the third principle? Yeah, the amount doesn't matter. What matters is whatever I've been entrusted with, I'm going to be faithful. Whether I have one child or six children, I'm going to be faithful. Whether I have a little bit of money or a lot of money, I'm going to be a faithful steward. Whether I have a great deal of, 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 of knowledge and ability to learn or if I'm limited in my capacity to learn. The amount isn't the issue. It's what I do with what I have, with what's been entrusted to me. So the amount doesn't matter. So we don't look at other people and say, well, you know, I wish I had what they had, or, uh, you know, I don't like what I've got, I don't like. I want something. No, no, no. What have you got? What has God given you that you can begin to be faithful with? And then the fourth principle? Faith requires action. We saw that in the, in the, in the, uh, in the person of the last steward, the, uh, the uh, wicked, lazy servant. We say we believe. Well, let's get on with it, right? Uh, let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. Let's be obedient in every area of our life. I want to be a steward as unto the Lord. I want to be a faithful steward with whatever he's entrusted to me. So with that, that's just a quick review. I want to go back to Matthew 25. And tonight we're going to look at uh, uh, this passage. And then I want to talk to you about... Uh, Goals, financial goals that uh, all of us uh, can hopefully identify with. So read with me now, beginning at verse 14 of Matthew 25. It says, again, Jesus says, it will be like a man, it meaning the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent. Now notice, each according to his ability. God is not going to give us more or less than he knows that we can, we can do well with, if we will. Each according to his ability. So whatever you have, God has given to you. He knows your ability. He understands who you are. I mean, that has to do with everything. Suffering. He's not going to let you suffer beyond what he knows you can bear. Some people have a greater capacity to suffer than you do. Aren't you glad? I mean, every, every, every area of life is like that. God 
All, these, all the categories of life you can possibly think of, God provides and he gives you what, you what you need, what you can deal with, what you can handle according to your ability. Then the master went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once. Notice that. You might want to underline those two words. Went at once. So we talk about uh, our, our faith requiring obedience. This, this guy went at once. He didn't delay he didn't disobey. He went at once. That's a key thought. He went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that just wonderful, those words? Well done, good and faithful servant. How often we like to hear those words. Do our kids like to hear those words? Well done, good job. This is well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So there's, 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 there's great reward to our faithfulness, to our fidelity, and there's great joy to be had. And the man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. In other words, master, I, I just don't, I don't have much confidence in you. I think you're kind of a, a man that I couldn't trust, couldn't depend on. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your talent in the ground. So here it is. Here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. The idea being, not that the master was that kind of person, but this was the impression. This was the, this was the, the perception of this wicked, lazy servant. So this is what you really thought of me? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Then he says, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Does that sound like the law of use or lose? How many know that law? Either you use what's entrusted to you or you lose it. And again, it, it, it covers every area. If you're not, if you're not using your, uh, your brain, if you're not exercising your brain, if you're not exercising your body, uh, you begin to diminish in terms of your capacity to function uh, mentally, physically, and so forth. So there's a principle of, of use or lose. So he buried the thing. He lost it. No hope of reward. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Terrible verse. God calls us to faithfulness. He calls us to good stewardship. 
with our time, with our energy, with our spiritual gifting, with the ministry and trust to our care, um, with our families, our relationships. Good stewards. See, we're to be different people than the world. Good stewardship requires priorities. It requires goals. If I'm going to be a good steward, I must have some priorities. I must have some goals. I must have some objectives that I'm going to work towards. These faithful stewards had an objective. They had a goal. They wanted to prove faithful. They took that, that money. They invested it, and they gained more. The wicked, lazy servant had no goals. He had no objectives except what? Just to protect himself. So he was more self-absorbed than he was willing to please his master. Now I want to identify five short-term financial goals or objectives. And then we'll look at six long-term goals. And these, these are relevant for all of us. If you have income of any kind, these, these goals, and, and they're not really new, we'll all be able to relate to them, but they're in a context that will help us uh, to understand priorities, I believe. Let me just give you these five short-term financial goals. The first one is we use money to give it away. We give money away, right? It's to be given away. The second one, we use money, we spend it to support a given lifestyle. So I, I choose a lifestyle. This is how I want to live, and so the money I have and the income I get, I use a portion of that to support my lifestyle. The third use of money is for repayment of debt. Some people have more debt than others, but always there's a portion of that income that comes to us that we use to repay debt. There's a fourth use of money. That's to pay taxes. And the fifth use is, for, is, is to accumulate it, or savings. Every spending decision in the short term will fit into one of those five categories. Every spending decision in the short run will fit into one of those five categories. How the money is allocated to those five categories, how it's allocated to those five categories is a function of just two factors. Two things will determine how I allocate my money. The first one is the commitments that I already have. In other words, I am already committed in, in these ways. And because of these commitments, uh, that's how I'm allocating the money. And the second factor is my priorities. Based on my commitments and my priorities, that is how I am going to allocate the money into those five categories. Now, giving and saving. Giving and saving are usually stated as priorities. But in reality, they end up at the bottom, the bottom two rungs of that priority of those five categories. What do you think, in fact, is, is the number one priority 
for most people, most American Christians, what's the number one priority, do you think, out of the five? Lifestyle. Now, what do you think is the second priority in reality? Death, that's right. We have chosen a certain lifestyle, and we have gotten in debt to maintain that lifestyle, so we spend our money to support that lifestyle and the debt to support it. Now, what do you think is the third actual priority in most people's lives? Taxes. You can't avoid those, right? You just, you got to pay those. And then what ends up being the last two? Saving and giving. In that order, those are, that's the reality. Saving and giving ends up being the very last of those short-term uh, goals, those short-term um, categories. People have reasoned this way, and I've talked to many people, done some financial counseling, and I find the reasoning goes like this. Well, I'm already committed to a certain lifestyle. And I, I, really, I really can't change my lifestyle, and I'm, and I'm also committed to a certain debt schedule. God surely wouldn't want me to change my lifestyle or my debt schedule. I really, I really would like to give up paying my taxes, but I can't. Now, I am giving, and I would give more if it weren't for the taxes I have to pay and the money I need to set aside for the future. Because after all, that is good stewardship, setting money aside for the future. See, so giving always gets left out, and that, that takes the bottom rung. So bearing in mind those five short-term alternatives for spending our money, of those five, three are consumptive in nature. Three just consume. But two of them are productive in nature. Can you figure out which of the three are consumptive in nature? Lifestyle, two, three, and four. Lifestyle, debt, and taxes. Those are, when the money is spent, it's gone. It's gone forever, right? Those three categories are only consumptive. That leaves two others, and the other two are what? They're productive. When you start giving, this is wonderful. God says, well, let me just back up and say this. How many, how many have heard of the eighth wonder of the world? How many know what the eighth wonder of the world is? Compound, compound interest. <laughs> when you discover the secret of compound interest and the miracle, it is a miraculous thing. When you discover the secret and the miracle of compound interest, you start saving. The younger, the better. Right, Matt? But saving and the, and the miracle of compound interest doesn't even compare with the miracle of giving. Doesn't even compare. You see, when you start saving and when you start giving, it's like planting a crop. And you're going to reap a harvest and you're going to reap more than you planted. Right? Let me just, let me, let me just 
read to you from a little article that I found in the newspaper. This is interesting. The title is, Is Your Million Dollars Going Up in Smoke? Now, there's a, there's a big deal, apparently, on TV now, on the news. One of the news stations is doing a, a little special on um, how, how the baby boom generation and, and those who are, are, are starting to be the graying part of America have no retirement. They have no security. There's no money. Less than 15% of people have any real financial security. That's a scary thought. And not only that, they also tag on to that the fact that, that Social Security increases next year are only going to be 2%. They're only preparing us for the future. They're saying it's going to get worse. But listen to this. This writer talks about people who smoke cigarettes. He says, if you're 18 years old and you smoke a pack a day and you swear off cigarettes for 13 years and you save the expense of those cigarettes and you take the amount of money that you have normally spent on cigarettes, this is just one pack a day, and you saved it, you put it into an interest-bearing account. If you can get 10%, he said, and you saved it for 13 years, at the end of those 13 years, you would have $35,000. Just the cost of a pack of cigarettes a day. At the end of 13 years, you'd have $35,000 saved up. He goes on to say that if you didn't save one more penny, if you just let that $35,000 sit in that interest-bearing account, because of compound interest, by the time you are 66, you would have accumulated $1.12 million. Yeah. Compound interest. You see, it doesn't take a lot. You just start with a little bit and you systematically put it away. Saving is like putting seed into the ground and you're going to reap a greater harvest than what you sowed. But giving is even more productive. You say, how is it? Jesus, when he describes it, it's just amazing. He says it very succinctly in Luke's Gospel. He says, give and it shall be given to you. And then he goes on to describe how it shall be given. How shall it be given? Now remember, they're in an agricultural society, right? And, and all of us can relate to this. I mean, you, you get a bag. Like, if, you, if you go to the show and you get popcorn, you want them to shake the popcorn thing down, right? So shake that baby down. Pack it, right? Come on, fill that thing with popcorn. <laughs> I want to get my six bucks worth. Or whatever. <laughs> Just kills you to have to do that, doesn't it? Yeah, six bucks or something, four bucks for one of those things. So, but, so here's what Jesus says. He says, if you give, it will be given back to you. And how it will be given back, they would take a sack of grain and they'd pour the grain in the sack for you, you'd hold it open, and you'd be shaking that sack to get all the air out of it, get every nook and cranny of that sack full of grain. Shake it, press down, running over. More than you can contain will be given. Now, that sounds like even better than saving the return because of giving. 
So those two categories are the only two productive categories. We have a certain amount of income coming in. God gives us, if you, if you remember the, that one phrase back in that parable, according to each one's ability. God gives each one of us just the amount that he knows that we need and we can handle. He doesn't overload us. He doesn't give us too little. doesn't give us too much. Sometimes we think he gives us too little, huh? God, would it hurt some great eternal plan if I were a rich man? <laughs> but he gives us exactly what we need. And he says, all right, you're going to be faithful. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. See if you'll be faithful with it. Now, now it's in our hands. What am I going to do with my stewardship? Interesting. Now, let me give you the six long-term objectives. And then we're going to contextualize these. Here's the six long-term objectives. First one, financial independence. How many would like to be financially independent in the long run? Well, not everybody. Okay, well, I would like to be. I'm going to raise my hand. Okay. Um, I don't know about you parents, but uh, I have a son who's on the verge next year of going to college. So uh, we've been saving for college. So college education for your children is another long-term goal and objective. A third one is paying off debt. The fourth one would be a major lifestyle desire. Maybe it's always been your desire to, to, to buy a motor home and travel across the country. A lot of people do that. Or some such major lifestyle desire. You've been, you've been saving, you've been saving, you've been looking forward to that day when you can kiss it all goodbye and <laughs> become a vagabond. The fifth long-term objective is giving. See, we want to always be lifetime givers, don't we? And the last one is maybe you want to own your own business. So you've been saving, you've been saving. One day, I'm going to have my own business. One day, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of my rut job and I'm going, to, I'm going to be my own boss. A lot of people, a lot of people want to have their own business. They want to be their own boss. That's not a bad thing. Now, if you look on the back side of your notes, you see a a bunch of circles. We're going to put these objectives, short-term and long-term, within the appropriate circles. The very top circle, label that income. This is all your income. Now, whatever you have, God has given you just the amount He wants you to have, and He wants you to distribute it in these first five categories, short-term. So that's, our, that's part of being a steward. I'm going to, okay, I've got, to, I've got to have to give some. I've got to pay my taxes and so forth. The second one on the left will be giving. God intends us to be givers. The next one, label that taxes. The third one, savings. The fourth one, debt repayment. And the fifth one, living expenses or lifestyle. So we take the income we get and we distribute it amongst those five categories. How you distribute it depends upon what? Your commitments and your priorities. 
Okay, so whatever my commitments are and whatever my priorities may be. Now, adjacent to the savings, you see those another little circles? There's a plus and then another little circle. Those are appreciated assets. So I just write in there appreciated assets. In other words, if you have a house that's, that's appreciating value, if you have uh, stocks or, or bonds or some, some other thing that is, is going up in value, you add that to your savings, and that leads to the, to the next six. Now, when I first became a Christian, when I started coming to this church uh, back in 1977, I had never heard the word tithe. I didn't know what it was. And uh, it was in, in my first weeks here that uh, Pastor Ralph was teaching on giving and tithing and those sort of things. And I just was sitting out there. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a Bible. I didn't know what this stuff was all about. So then I got invited to a small group, a little Bible study. And these people kind of took me under their wing. And they began to instruct me and tell me what things were all about. I go, oh, oh. And I said, what's this thing tithe? What is this deal? Help me understand that. I know I have somebody with money, but what, what does that mean? What's that word mean? Maybe they said, well, it means tenth. I said, tenth of what? I said, tenth of your income. Tenth of my income. Now, what's the next question? Gross or net? <laughs> yeah, gross or net? <laughs> they said, it's the first tenth, right off the top. I went, so I did some quick calculations in my mind. I thought, and I, I was making a, a pretty substantial income at the time, and I thought, that's a lot of money. I said, you mean you guys, you guys give that kind of money to the church? Oh, yeah, everybody does. I figured, well, if everybody does, I guess I will too. I can't tell you what, I can't even describe to you my emotions when I wrote that very first check. <laughs> I saw myself writing this large amount now, see, at the time, I don't really have a grasp of the concept of giving and how God provides more and of sowing seed. You're going to reap a harvest. You know, I'm just thinking it's like paying bills. Man, I could do something else with this money. But if everybody does it, I guess I'll do it too. After all, I'm a Christian now. So I wrote my first tithe. And, and then every week thereafter, you know, I said, those weeks just fly by. <laughs> it's time to write another check? My gosh. But you know, God kept meeting my needs. It was, it was very interesting. And, and I really got excited about this. In fact, I, I worked for a Jewish man, and I would witness him. I'd tell him all the stuff I'm learning. And then one day I said to him, I said, you know what? Because his, his business was prospering. And he was really ecstatic. He was telling me one day, he says, you know, we are really doing well. I said, do you know why you're doing well? <laughs> he said, no, why? I said, because I'm working for you. Now, no one has ever said that to him. He says, well, now, what, what does all this mean? I said, I said every day, because I worked there all by myself. He would come in once a week and, you know, check things out and such. But I just had the run of the place. I managed it. And uh, so uh, I said, every day I come in, every morning, I put my hands on your cash register. I took him over the cash register. I showed him exactly what it is. I said, I lay my hands on the cash register and say, God, bless Larry's business. Bless this business today. 
And he said, you do that? I said, yeah. See, I, I just, I began to see that God really does bless. And he really does multiply. I, I had gone through a divorce, and I was, I was penniless. I didn't have any money. And uh, when I remarried, I married my present wife, Julie. She had a little bit of money. And she had bought a house. She'd become a Christian. And she'd bought a house out in Valencia, out by Magic Mountain. She paid $26,000 for this little two-bedroom house. I had nothing. I came into the marriage. I had nothing. I brought an empty checkbook. And I joined with her assets. And those assets appreciated. And she, too, was a giver. And we just gave. We gave whatever we had. We didn't have much. We had about $5,000 saved up. That's all we had to our name plus this little house. Our house payments were $166 a month. That included tax and insurance. That blow your mind? I just I couldn't get over that. So we could really live on very little. And I was going to seminary. Right before we got married, I started studying. I went to seminary. And I couldn't work and go to school full-time because I had to drive uh, two hours each way to get to the school, and she was a flight attendant. So we lived on her income. And then she got pregnant. And we, this was a surprise. We weren't expecting to get pregnant. And she had to take a mandatory leave of absence from flying. This was required back in those days. So we, had, we knew we had about $5,000 saved up. I figured we could, we could live on that. We can get through. I can get through the first year of school. Then I'll drop out of school. I'll get a job. We'll have the baby. And then we'll see where we go from there. I mean, it wasn't my plan to get pregnant. It's a nice timing, God. You know, we had everything planned out. So that's exactly what we did. I was, I finished, was finishing school that first year. Uh, our neighbor started remodeling his house. Lovely Christian people. They ran out of money. The rainy season was coming. They didn't finish the roof. They were panicked. They came to us. They said, could you help? We said, we don't have very much anyway. Sure, we gave them, we gave them some money. Finished the roof. My parents ran into some financial trouble. We gave them some money. We, we, we ran out of money. I needed books. My second semester, I needed $200 worth of books. And my wife, interestingly, unbeknownst to me, had never, ever balanced her checkbook. So we're looking. We're scraping for every single penny we can get. And she's got this a checking account that's been laying dormant for, for, for several months. And I thought, let's, let's balance that checkbook. Let's get that thing. And I said, where? You never balance it. No, I never. I, she says, I always know there's money in there. I, I know everything. It's all up here. <laughs> now, I'm one of these people that's got to balance it to the penny. If I don't have that penny there, boy, I just go hunting and looking for it. So I said, well, do you have the statements? She says, yes. I said, where are they? She says, they're in the garage. There's several big bags of them. <laughs> I promise you. So I went out to the garage, and sure enough, there were these bags of... of she kept track in her head. So I thought, 
Oh, man. There's no way. I said, come on, we're going to go to the bank, and we're going to close this account out, and we're going to see if there's anything left in it. She says, oh, there's money in it. I just know there is. And all the way to the bank, I'm going, you should always balance this check. You just never know. And, you know? So we get to the bank. We said, we're going to close this account. We're going to find if there's any money in the account. <laughs> Teller goes, you know, checks it all out. She says, there's $263 left in the account. I needed $263 for books. My wife just goes, I told you. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> what am I saying? I'm telling you this because God provided. He was providing. He, provi- he, he got us money from places that we couldn't even begin to imagine. We got a $1,000 check in the mail from a lawsuit that flight attendants had, 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 had brought against American Airlines over this maternity thing, and Julie had just gotten in under the wire on that. $1,000. And I didn't have to quit school. I got to finish school. We had Michael. We got the pink slip on him. At the, end, at the end of my school term, we still had, amazingly, $3,000 in our savings account. And we'd been giving it away. God is faithful. We didn't have very much, but we knew we weren't going to hoard the little bit we had. People had needs. We said, all right, we're going to, by faith, these people have needs, we're, we're going to help out. We've given and given and given. We continue to give. I don't say that to boast. I say that by way of example. God is faithful. We don't get scared. And he has blessed us. He has blessed us. We wake up nearly every morning and we look at each other and we say, God has blessed us. We are blessed people. That little house for $26,000 she bought, we lived in it for just a couple of years. We turned around and sold it for $100,000. We came down here and bought a house right down the street, four blocks away. The, the house was uh, for sale by owner. We walked in. The guy happened to be a, an American Airlines captain that she'd flown with, and they knew each other. <laughs> he wanted 130 some thousand. He says, I'll, I'll take 122. Just like that. We didn't even ask. And he'd completely gone through brand new carpet, paint, everything. It was just spotless. It was move-in condition. $122,000. So we said, we'll buy it. We lived in that house for two and a half years. We sold it for $150,000. We turned around and bought my parents' house for $200,000. That house is now worth over $400,000. What am I saying? God has prospered us. God has blessed us. My wife is embarrassed by the house we live in. People come over and she has to make excuses because it's such a nice house. It is. It's a nice house. But what I'm suggesting is is for 20 plus years we have been faithful givers. We have honored God and God has honored us. I just share my testimony with you. God always provides So we give. 
the, uh, the uh, taxes, you know, the more you give, lowers your taxable income. Isn't that exciting? You're investing in the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of this world. You know, your money's going to good use rather than being wasted by the government. That's my feeling anyway. I don't have a problem with giving to Caesar what Caesar's, but I'm going to do everything I can to give more to God than I give to Caesar. Debt repayment. I think you ought to be debt free. We work hard. We've worked hard. We don't owe any money on cars. I drive a Volkswagen that Julie bought brand new in 1967. We still have it. It still runs. That's my car. She gave it to me. I don't need a BMW. I don't need a Porsche, although I'd like to have one. <laughs> I don't need a Lexus. I don't need a... My Volkswagen gets me back and forth down Prospect. It can, grow, it can drive Prospect all by itself. <laughs> it knows every crack and rut in the road. Living expenses. Living expenses is the one place that we must address. Most people, $20, $30, $15, $50, you get these little bites out of that income under living expenses that really are unnecessary, and you could take those $30, $40, $50 bites and put them into savings and giving. I was just thinking, we, we very rarely go to movies. If we do, we go on a matinee in an afternoon. But even then, it's far too much. But if you go at night, as I understand, it's what, 8 or $9 per ticket? How much is it? $7.50 or $8. Okay. So two people go, that's, you're already $16, $17. You've got to have popcorn. There's another 6 bucks. You've got to have Coke. Right? Babysitters, if you're married. You blow 50 bucks to $100 easy going to see a lousy movie that's not going to edify you anyway. You see? How much is cable TV? 30, 40, 50, depending upon all the add-ons. Do we need cable TV? Well, in reality, no. But people go, oh, don't take away my cable TV, please. I'll die without my cable. Maybe you will die with it. I mean, you just, if you scan your checkbook and you look at all the little bites, and you say, do I really need this? Because these are, these are living expenses that I could better put into savings and giving. I can put into productivity rather than just consume, consume, consume. Am I making sense? Now let's look at from savings. Let's look at the six long-termers. Down from savings directly, if you, if you put your savings along with your appreciated assets... That mean, that's your growth and net worth. That's what you are worth. This is, this, is all your, this is your net assets now. And out of the net assets come those other six allotments. Financial independence. College. Paying off debt. Maybe, maybe it's your long-term goal to pay off your house. Those lifestyle desires that we talked about. 
more giving or starting a business. You see, it's out of this accumulated money over a long period of time of saving, saving, saving. Now I have a nice big nest egg and I can be financially independent. I can send my kids to college. I can be all paid off in terms of debt. Those lifestyle things that I wanted, I can, I can now do them. And I can continue giving and maybe even start a business if I want. This is stewardship. Now, there's three guiding principles if I'm going to reach those goals that are essential. The first one, we already discussed this one. God owns it all. It's critical to remember God owns it all. Every spending decision, remember, is a what kind of decision? Spiritual decision. Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Why? Because I'm spending whose resources? God's. So God owns it all. The second thing to remember is money is never an end in itself. In other words, we don't love it. We don't possess it just to possess it. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So money is not an end in itself, but it is just a resource to accomplish goals. And the third principle we dare not forget. Very simply, you say it this way. Spend less than you earn and or earn more than you spend and do it for a long time and you will be financially successful. That's pretty simple, isn't it? That third point, let me rephrase it, and let me put it in, in the language of John Wesley. John Wesley said, earn as much as you can. Earn as much as you can. Save as much as you can. And give as much as you can. If you'll do those three things, you can be assured that you will be financially successful. God will say, well done, good and faithful servant, especially with respect to finances, money. You can't get around the issue of money. We have to deal with it. We need it. It's vital to all of our lives. But how are we going to be good stewards? These categories are simple. Now, I got this out of a book, Master Your Money by uh, Ron Blue. You can get those books. We don't have them in the bookstore yet, but we've we got some on order. I encourage you, if you're serious about learning more about money management and mastering your money and knowing how to apportion those amounts into those various categories, uh, he has some very, very simple ways for you to do that. So I want to encourage you. Let's be good stewards. Amen? And let's set some goals. Let's set some goals. If you need help, we have a financial counseling ministry in the church. It's free. Uh, you just call the office. You make an appointment, and our financial counselors will help you set up a budget. They'll help you get organized and teach you how to, how to reduce your debt and how to properly apportion your income. All right? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you do call us to be good stewards. We thank you that you have given us each a measure of wealth
And Lord, it all really ultimately belongs to you. I pray that we would be all motivated to be faithful stewards of what you've entrusted to us. Lord, that we be giving people, that we be people who know how to save, that we be productive people, and Lord, not just consumers. Help us to be excellent stewards, Lord. We commit all these resources that you've given to us. Last week, we signed a deed. We, we returned ownership of all these things to you. Help us to reaffirm that. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand and let's rejoice in God's provisions for our life. the church. I bless this congregation in Jesus' name. I pray we would all have a richer understanding by your spirit of what stewardship is all about. 
And not just of our finances, Lord, but of our gifts and our time and our energy. Lord, of our relationships. Cause us to to, uh, just be ignited again with a fire of love for you and such that we are faithful stewards. We love you tonight. Lord, bless the church according to your will. In Jesus' name. Good night. I love you. Have a great...